US inflation figures overnight were warm, but not too warm, and the markets still see the Fed cutting later this year. India's GDP data overnight was much stronger than expected, but there's a statistical quirk. And Australian business investment intentions are rising. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in our bonus deep dive interview, ANZ senior commodity strategist Daniel Hines looks at why demand for copper will stay strong, even as China pulls back. It's all about India. Even though we do see growth in China falling, um, India's growth could certainly make up uh, some part of that pullback and contribute to you know, what we see is a, is a pretty strong growth rate globally for copper in the next couple of years. But first, in 5 and 5 with ANZ, US stocks and bonds strengthened overnight after US personal consumption expenditure inflation data for January was in line with market expectations. The core PCE measure, watched by the Fed, bounced to 0.4% for the month from 0.1% in December, but that was in line with consensus, and the annual core inflation rate fell to 2.8% from 2.9%. Headline annual PCE inflation fell to 2.4% from 2.6%. That's the lowest in almost three years. Here's ANZ's Head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin, on the market reaction. I think the markets were happy that the data were in line with expectations. And as a consequence, we have seen the bond market rally and we have seen stock markets rally. So all in all, I think financial markets have digested this and are now looking forward based on the view that they think this is a bump in the data, that it will settle down in coming months and therefore no need to panic uh, that at some stage the FOMC will be cutting interest rates this year. And as at 5am Sydney Melbourne time, the Aussie dollar, it's solid at 64.92 US cents. And the Kiwi, it's down a touch, 60.78 US cents. The S&P 500 up 0.15% at 5,077. And the US 10-year bond yield down three basis points to 4.24%. Number two, Australian private sector credit rose 0.4% in January from December. That was in line with expectations and led by business lending growth of 0.7%. ANZ Senior Economist Adelaide Timbrell sees further business loan growth this year, with data out yesterday showing initial planned CapEx expenditure being 12.6% higher than last year. That is the biggest jump in 12 years. I think what businesses are indicating with strong capital expenditure plans is that they expect the economy to be strong enough and stable enough that they want to take on risk. For some, that may mean that funding costs aren't going up as a factor. For others, it's going to be, you know, strong continued demand and population growth for households or the positive impacts of tax cuts. For others, it might be the strong pipeline for government expenditure. Number three, meanwhile, Australian private sector capex in the December quarter, which is the one that feeds into GDP, was up 0.8%. And now that's stronger than the 0.3% expected by economists. Price increases were a big factor, though, which means ANZ's forecast for GDP growth of 0.3% in the December quarter and 1.5% for the year hasn't changed. There's nothing concerning in the capital expenditure data for the Reserve Bank. There's no sign that the economy is slowing down rapidly, which might be a trigger to start thinking about cutting the cash rate earlier. But neither is there such a boost in capital expenditure that they would think that there's inflationary risk as a result. 
Number four, Australian retail sales were weaker than expected during January, with a monthly increase of 1.1% being about half the market forecast. ANZ economist Matty Dunk says growth will likely stay weak until households feel support from tax cuts, lower inflation and lower interest rates later this year. The growing popularity of Black Friday is shifting more spending into November, but that's having flow-on effects in terms of the spending that we see in December and January. And if you try and look past some of those seasonal issues and look at the three months to January, we can see that retail sales grew just 0.4%. Now, that highlights the very weak retail environment that we're in right now and how cost of living pressures and high interest rates are affecting household spending. Number five, India's production GDP growth in the December quarter was a stunning 8.4% from a year ago in data out overnight. The market had expected 6.6%, but there's a quirk in the data on tax receipts. They were up from an unusually low figure a year ago, says ANZ economist Diraj Nim. The production measure of GDP was about in line with market expectations of 6.5%, which is still strong, but not as stunning. He says GDP growth is slowing in India, but not too much for the Reserve Bank of India to worry about it. It's a business cycle, but it's of course not slowing down alarmingly. And there is not yet any reason for the RBI to be worried about growth or to shift its focus from its inflation fight. Diraj there. Now, in our deep dive interview, we stick with our precious metals theme. As ANZ senior commodity strategist Daniel Hines looks at the demand, supply and price outlooks for copper starting with China. Spoiler alert, India has a major role in the story. Beijing views copper as a fairly strategic metal. Um, So they continue to buy, even if demand may be a little bit subdued, not that it isn't in this case. Um, We're actually seeing consumption indicators show strong uh, growth, but certainly imports have continued to uh, remain relatively high as they take that longer-term view that copper is absolutely critical to um, growth, their development in these new clean energy technology sectors. So the strong level of imports we've seen we think will continue in China, and that's obviously going to benefit uh, you know, the broader sort of consumption of copper globally. And there is a new buyer on the market, if you like, in the form of India, which is investing a lot in infrastructure and it's manufacturing supply chains. How is India starting to play a role in the market? Well, it's um, on the cusp, basically, of becoming uh, the second largest uh, consumer in the world. Certainly, um, China sits out there, by and large, you know, the biggest, but um, it, it could potentially overtake the US, who is in second um, in the not-too-distant future. And, you know, it's been, I suppose, a market which has promised a lot in the past um, due to its um, relative immaturity. But, you know, the, the economy is is certainly growing quite strongly at the moment and they have a fairly aggressive um, CapEx infrastructure sort of plan ahead, which um, focusing on some of those key sectors uh, that copper tends to get consumed in. So, you know, the outlook um, in that market is, is looking promising. And, and to an extent, even though we do um, see, you know, growth in China falling. Um, India's growth could could certainly make up uh, some part of that pullback and contribute to, you know, what we see is a, is a pretty strong growth rate globally for copper in, uh, in the next couple of years. 
So that was the demand side. What role will supply play in that price outlook over the next couple of years? Well, it's an extremely important part, certainly in the shorter term. Um, you know, late last year, we saw a host of mines closed or suspended uh, due to the low prices. And uh, and that really has tightened up the market, particularly on copper concentrate or ore in the shorter term. Longer term, the demand projections um, indicate we still need to see actually about a 50% increase in supply over the next decade. And with the Uh, suspensions um, and some of the newer projects being delayed as a consequence of current price weakness, um, you know, that puts that question, I suppose, the ability to match that demand over the longer term as well. So it's going to be absolutely critical. Certainly in the shorter term, it's providing a lot of tightness in the market um, despite that strong uh, level of demand. Um, And and certainly over the longer term, um, you know, prices will have to rise significantly to incentivise that supply back into it. And there has been one company and one mine in particular which has um, been a, a factor here. Tell us about Anglo-American. Yeah, well, they are, I suppose, the epitome of, of uh, the issues uh, impacting the copper industry at the moment, particularly in Chile, where um, you know the industry has been grappling with lower grades, um, quality issues, access to water and power. And as a consequence, costs are, are rising quite significantly to a point where they've had to pull back and shutter Um, some mines uh, as a result of that. Daniel Hines there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Friday, March the 1st. Catch you next week with a look at green bond issuance. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.